Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new YouTube and podcast series where we're going to be reviewing every single chapter of the Harry Potter book series. Starting of course with Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone or Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone if you're American and today we're starting off with chapter one, The Boy Who live now as i said i'm really excited to get into this because i've been on youtube now making harry potter content for almost a year but i've never done a podcast before this is my first time venturing over to spotify apple podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast normally i'll be there so if you prefer to listen to this as an audio version if you're watching on youtube i'll leave a link to the spotify in the description so you can go over you can download it you can listen to it without using up data on the go however you like and if you listen to this on Spotify or on a podcast platform and you'd rather watch a video version, actually see me, then I'll leave a link in the description to the YouTube version, to my YouTube channel where you can go over and check it out and also check out some bonus Harry Potter content. For example, we're doing a Let's Play of every single Harry Potter game that's ever been made and we just finished playing the Chamber of Secrets PC game. If you'd be interested in that now without further ado before we get into this obviously this is episode one of a series there's a couple of things just to discuss firstly i'm planning on uploading this series every friday at 6 p.m uk time for now we're going to do a different chapter every week so this has gone up friday 6 p.m next friday we'll be talking about chapter two the vanishing glass so on so on we may change the format as we get into the longer books it may make more sense to do half a chapter an episode so we can go through it in more detail and make sure the episodes aren't too long but for now now, certainly for this book, I think there's 17 chapters, 17 weeks, a chapter per week. Perfect. Now, again, I just need to really quickly say some of you may have already seen my review of this chapter. Unfortunately, I did already upload a review of this one, but I kind of decided it just wasn't good enough. I've recently bought a new microphone and I recorded that episode with the old microphone and it was just a little bit blurry. And I thought, Do you know what? This is a brand new series. It's a massive project I've been thinking up and working on for ages now. It needs to be good. I want it to be the best it possibly can be, especially episode one, because for a lot of people finding the series, this will be their introduction. And if episode one isn't good, they're not exactly going to stick around for any more, are they? So I thought, do you know what? For the sake of a week, before we get too far into it, let's scrap it, go again. So for anyone who was hoping it was going to be episode two this week, episode two will be up next Friday at 6pm. So we're starting again from now. So I'm sorry to anyone who was a bit confused by that, but hopefully you understand that I think it's the best thing for the series and for the channel. So I hope that's okay with everyone. So without further ado, I think it's time to start talking about Harry Potter, isn't it? Now I thought Really, I should give a little bit of an introduction to myself as a Harry Potter fan. So as I said, I've had a Harry Potter YouTube channel for almost a year, playing through the games and stuff and doing some mini podcasts, doing some tier lists and ranking them and talking about Hogwarts Legacy. But as a Harry Potter fan in general, I love the series. I've been into them since I was a little kid. I did unfortunately watch the films before I read most of the books, which is a bit of a shame and I wish I could change that going back, but I'm sure a lot of people did it that way around because when you're younger, you can't be bothered to read hundreds of pages when you could just watch an hour and a half or a two hour film. Let's be absolutely honest. But I love Harry Potter. Now, I don't pretend to be a genius Potter. Had There's lots and lots of stuff that I don't understand about the series which is kind of why i wanted to do this because this will give me an opportunity to learn some more about the books uh, because i've read the books a few times i've mainly listened to them the stephen fry audiobook versions are incredible and i should just specify this is going to be a review series we're not going to be rereading them if you want to hear someone reread them check out the stephen fry audiobooks they are 
incredible. But no, I've definitely watched the films more than anything. I'd say that's where my sort of best Harry Potter knowledge comes from. So hopefully we can learn a little bit more by rereading them all together in a series that if we were to do a chapter per week could end up taking us a very long time. So I hope you'll strap in and come along for the ride. I'd love it if, you know, if you wanted to, you'd read it along with me. So read a chapter before Friday and listen to it with me. However, I'm also going to kind of try and keep it spoiler free for anybody who's maybe reading Harry Potter for the first time and is just looking for someone to share it with. I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be completely spoiler free in that sense, but definitely main things that would ruin your first experience of reading the books if you found them out before you read that bit they're going to be left out we're not going to talk about people who may or may not die or how the deathly hallows will end we may put in the odd little thing here and there just because it's kind of hard to review them knowing what happens and not mentioning it but in general this is going to be spoiler free so if you are reading them for the first time you are in no danger listening to that podcast in fact that's kind of what i want this to be all about letting people enjoy it and sharing the enjoyment with other people so as for which version of the book we're reading so i actually have an old copy of the original philosopher's stone with a really nice cover where harry's uh, waiting for the hogwarts express but i left it at uni because i went to uni thinking i'd record some of these episodes and just never got around to it so instead i've actually got an illustrated version uh, it was made by jim k they've made four of them i'm showing it to the camera now if you're watching on youtube that's a little bonus for you and i'll try and show you a few of the pictures inside because it is really cool so i've got all four of them uh, it's kind of become a little tradition mum sort of buys them for me as christmas or birthday presents they've only made them up to the goblet of fire but i've never really properly sat down and read them and appreciated them so i thought this series at least for the first four books even if they don't make any more could be a really cool opportunity to go through and appreciate a different copy of the book so that's what i think we're going to do um at least until i get my original copy back then maybe it'll be easier to use that one uh, i'm also going to be making notes which i've got sort of up on my screen next to me so if you see me glancing down it's just because i'm checking in because unfortunately i can't hold every single bit of detail in my brain i'm not that smart so without further ado i thought let's start chapter one with a little bit of an introduction to the series so let's give a little preview for what's going to come in this chapter so for me this chapter is split into two different parts day and night in the day we meet the dursley family vernon petunia and the one-year-old dudley now we learn that the dursleys are very very keen on being known as completely ordinary they want to appear as normal as possible which is mainly down to the fact that they have a secret a secret that they really don't want anybody finding out about now we follow Vernon on a normal day going to work however strange things seem to keep happening around him things that in some ways can be linked back to this very secret they have he goes home very stressed and worried and he tells Petunia about it but she sort of shrugs it off and they go to bed that's when we cut to the night section of this chapter where we meet Albus Dumbledore and Minerva McGonagall Dumbledore explains to McGonagall that the powerful Voldemort has killed young Harry Potter's parents, Harry, who this book is all about, and that Harry, for some reason, managed to survive Voldemort's attempts to kill him. Rubius Hagrid then arrives on a flying motorbike that he's borrowed off young Sirius Black, bringing Harry to be left with the Dursleys as he has no other living relatives left. McGonagall, who has been watching the Dursley family disguised as a cat all day, strongly advises against this, but Dumbledore says it is the only way for Harry to grow up without being swallowed by the inevitable fame that's going to find him if he stays in their world. 
So that's a short little introduction. Now let's go into it in a little bit more detail. And I think the only way to start this series off is by reading the very first paragraph of the Harry Potter story. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of Number 4 Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. They were the last people you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. Now, as an opening paragraph, very plain, but immediately it drops hints that the fact that they're so intent on appearing normal, it is dropping a hint that something isn't quite right about them. So Vernon Dursley is a large beefy man who works at a drilling firm called Drunnings. Petunia Dursley is thin and blonde and tall. Now, as I said before, the Dursleys had a secret relating to Mrs. Dursley's sister, Lily Potter, and her husband, James Potter, whom she pretends doesn't exist because, in her opinion, they're both as undursleyish as possible. Now, that's the term that she uses. Obviously, again, trying to emphasise on the fact that, to them, being a Dursley is being completely normal, straight down the middle. Lily and James have a son who's about the same age as Dursley and obviously we know that's Harry and the Dursleys do not want Dudley and Harry mixing at all. So we're going to start by reading the little introduction to the day that this chapter is written about. So when Mr and Mrs Dursley woke up on the dull grey Tuesday our story starts there was nothing about the cloudy sky outside to suggest that strange and mysterious things would soon be happening all over the country. Mr Dursley hummed as he picked out his most boring tie for work and Mrs Dursley gossiped away happily as she wrestled a screaming Dudley into his high chair. None of them noticed a large tawny owl flutter past the window. So immediately this chapter is setting the scene that whilst the Dursleys are going about living a very ordinary life, you know, Vernon's off to work, boring day, boring tie, um... Aunt Petunia is obviously, she's got a one-year-old son to look after. The, I guess, hell of trying to deal with that in the morning when they've not had much sleep and all they want to do is moan and they won't go in their high chair. Yet something strange is happening around them because owls tend to be nocturnal, meaning they don't really come out in the day. So to have one fluttering past your window in Privet Drive in, down a random street in Surrey is fairly unusual. So we follow Mr. Dursley on the way to work, running the drill factory, and he ends up stuck in a traffic jam, which isn't going to help his mood. Um, and, he knows, and he starts to notice strange things that's happening around him. Now, before he got stuck in the traffic jam, he noticed on the corner of his road a cat that seemed to be reading a map. Again, maybe a coincidence, but very strange. Um, he also noticed people in strange cloaks who are whispering excitedly together. Vernon grows furious at the thought of this, thinking it must be some sort of silly stunt. Maybe it's like a convention or something. Obviously, you've got stuff like Comic-Con, but I don't think that's really as much of a thing in the UK as it is over in the States. Maybe that's wrong, or maybe it's just not my sort of thing, but definitely less common around here, I would have thought. Certainly where I've grown up to see people dressing up, um, it's not very usual, unless it's Halloween, I suppose. When Vernon arrives at work, though, he quickly forgets about this incident. You know, he's got people to shout at, he's got a boring day to get on with, and he's got money to make. So when Vernon goes to the bakery on his lunch break to collect a donut of all things, what a surprise. In fact, I actually am a little bit surprised. I, I take that back because for someone who was described earlier as, well, let's face it, JK sort of called him fat. 
I'd have thought you'd have more than one donut because a donut isn't that filling uh, unless you have one of those sort of Krispy Kreme ones with loads of sauce and stuff inside them. But a regular donut wouldn't fill you up that much. Come on, treat yourself, Vernon. Have a couple. Um, But as he's heading over, he walks past another group of people wearing odd cloaks, which just doesn't help his mood because obviously it's more stuff that's unusual and out of the ordinary. But as he's walking past, he hears them mention the words the Potters and their son Harry and is immediately flooded with fear because obviously Potter, maybe not the most common surname in the world. Harry, again, fairly common name, but the name Harry Potter, would you expect to hear that just passing by? Especially given the secret that you know, we know they've obviously got something that they don't want people to know about the Potters and suddenly these strange people in cloaks have turned up and are just chatting about him. You probably would be flooded with fear. After work as well, Vernon accidentally runs right into a man in a velvet cloak on his way out. He apologises, but the man hugs Vernon and tells him not to worry. Nothing could upset him today because you know who has gone at last. And he tells Vernon that even muggles like himself should be celebrating. Um, Now, I suppose... There's a lot to break down there. Who's you know who? What's a muggle? We're going to get into that later on. But obviously, to Vernon, this is all gibberish. And as I mentioned before, something about like conventions and stuff. Maybe you would think that it was some sort of... Maybe it was like a reenaction of something. You definitely wouldn't think magic unless maybe that's what your secret's relating to. Um, so Vernon's mood has gone from starting the day off fairly bored to very, very worried, angry nothing's going well he keeps seeing odd stuff not a good day at all now before he'd bumped into this man throughout the afternoon he'd been thinking all the time about the name harry potter he'd been stressing about it he couldn't focus on work at all despite having quite a productive morning afternoon wasn't as good I guess it balances it out I, th- I suppose for most people they probably knock work out of the park in the morning because you're fresh you've just woken up you've had a coffee By the afternoon, your thoughts are probably on, you know, what am I going to watch on Netflix tonight? What am I going to have for tea? So I guess that happens normally, but maybe under different circumstances to why Vernon's day has gone off the rails. Uh, But he he sort of decides that he's not even 100% sure that Harry's actually the boy's name. He's not even met him before, which I thought was really odd. I mean, we're obviously supposed to believe that the Dursleys aren't nice people, um, just by the way. They seem really, really snooty, and Petunia seems very, very nosy. They obviously just want to act normal. They probably care a lot about what people think about them in terms of, I'm sure Vernon drives a nice car. I'm sure he, you know, likes to go to work in the sense that he's probably quite lazy, but he likes everybody to know that he's important. He's got an important job. He's a hard worker. He's a grafter. Um, But I think the idea that he doesn't even know his nephew's name is pretty sad. And that just that's just wrong. Like even like we've all probably got aunts and uncles who we're closer to than others, but I think they'd all know your name. Let, let's be absolutely fair. Um, but I, I'm wondering if he actually is a hundred percent sure it's Harry. He's just trying to convince himself it's not. He's in a sense of self denial, a sense of panic, but really he does know it's Harry. So anyway, on the way home, he noticed the cat that was reading the map earlier, which is never going to help his mood. He tells it to shoo, but it just stares at him, which would send warnings towards you that there's something unusual with this cat because cats are the most shy things ever in our garden uh, at home cats random stray cats wander into the garden all the time or they might not be stray they might just have other owners down the street but they're always coming into the garden but the second that 
a noise sounds, you open a door, you go out to sort of walk in the garden, they run off because they are probably one of the most timid animals out there. When he gets home, he finds out that Petunia has had a fairly nice and normal day. I presume she's probably just been dealing with Dudley the whole time. And let me tell you, these two think everything shines out of their boy's backside. They love him to bits. So even though he was probably really troublesome and kept moaning and was being rude and probably never went in his high chair, to her it's a nice day because you got to spend it with Dudley. Now Vernon tries to act as though his day's been normal too. They sit down and watch the evening news and a reporter explains that there have been an owl, that there's been owl sightings all over the country, which is very odd, as well as strange weather like shooting stars. Again, I mean, you could probably put this down to being a coincidence, especially the shooting stars, but the owls would have you asking questions. I mean, especially, you know, one in the morning was unusual. All over the country, you're thinking, hmm, is there like a new species of owls that isn't nocturnal that we've just never discovered? I don't think so. So eventually Vernon decides he's, he's just got to ask Petunia because it's just it's brewing inside him. All he can think about is the name Harry Potter and what's been happening today. So he asks her if she's heard from her sister Lily, which she did not like at all. Uh, he says, you know, he's wondering if the news might have anything to do with her crowd, which we'll find out about a little bit later. Now, yeah, Petunia doesn't like this. They don't like any mention of the Potters at all. It's kind of like a taboo word in their household. Do not mention them. But she sharply denies that she's heard anything. And their evening continues as normal, and Vernon and Petunia go to bed. Vernon's not particularly settled but he does manage to fall fast asleep and at that point we head out to Privet Drive the road that they live on where something slightly unusual is going on. So whilst the Dursleys were asleep a man had appeared on the corner of Privet Drive the same corner that the cat reading the map had been on all day. Nothing like this man had ever been seen before in Privet Drive. He was tall, thin and very old, judging by the silver of his hair and beard, which were both long enough to tuck into his belt. He was wearing long robes, a purple cloak which swept the ground and high-heeled buckled boots. So his description so far seems to match those people who were in cloaks all throughout the day that Vernon kept on seeing. His blue eyes were light, bright and sparkling behind half-moon spectacles, and his nose was very long and crooked, as though it had been broken at least twice. This man's name was Albus Dumbledore. So in just one sort of short description, we get this idea that Dumbledore is clearly quite quirky. He's clearly quite old. And it seems like he's been through quite a lot. The suggestion that he's had his nose broken at least twice says that he's had an eventful life. Uh, and it makes you want to ask questions. Hmm, I wonder what this man has been through. Um, but Dumbledore flicks open a cigarette lighter or something that looks like a cigarette lighter and clicks it causing all of the nearby street lamps to go out. Now, this is what I meant when I said at the start. Sometimes I might give away spoilers, but they're not major spoilers. They're just things that you will find out eventually that will make sense to people who've read through the whole series. So, for example, the cigarette lighter is called a deluminator. I'm not going to talk about everything about the deluminator and what it may or may not do, but we do find out that name eventually in the series, and that won't necessarily affect how you view the story it doesn't really ruin anything for you but you know that's the sort of stuff that i think is okay to say on this podcast so the cigarette lighter is called a deluminator and one of its functions is as i just explained you can absorb light around you so obviously dumbledore wants to take the lights out so people can't be nosy and see what he's doing for example aunt petunia the queen of nosiness 
Um, as for Dumbledore himself, I wanted to talk quickly. I don't want to spend the whole time comparing the books and the films together because at some point I'd like to sit down and do full reviews of the film series as well. But I think it's important to say how I feel on the Dumbledore situation because a lot of people, it's a big debate. Michael Gambon, um, obviously, who took over as Albus Dumbledore from the Prisoner of Azkaban versus the original version of Dumbledore, who was, of course, Richard Harris. Now, Richard Harris took the role for the first two films, but unfortunately passed away before the Prisoner of Azkaban, so obviously had to be swapped. Um, personally, for me, I don't actually think that either of them fully capture the Dumbledore that we're sort of learning about here, because this Dumbledore is very quirky. Now, to me, Richard Harris's Dumbledore had... A little bit more of the sort of i guess i guess age about him the the presence of a very powerful wizard who had just who had got older if that makes sense you really felt his presence on screen when he was on a scene but he didn't necessarily give that feeling that he was also the most powerful wizard in the world which as we're going to talk about in this chapter it suggested that dumbledore just might be was michael gambon for me did have that obviously his fight scene in the fifth film uh I'm not going to talk too much about that because I don't want to give spoil spoilers away, but it is an incredible scene. And, and I think he's also, you know, the scene that I think a lot of people know I'm talking about in the sick film is very, very special towards the end. I think that acting is just perfect and I couldn't imagine anybody else but Gambon in that particular spot. But he also has moments where he just seems too angry to be Dumbledore. He doesn't have that calm quirkiness, that wittiness that I... He's got a little bit of it, but not as much as the book. I don't think either of them... This might be a little bit of a controversial opinion, but I don't think either of them completely capture how Dumbledore was meant to be in the book. But at the same time, they're both very good movie versions. Uh, if I had to vote, I'm probably 51% leaning towards Gambon. Uh, I, th I feel like that is also quite controversial. But I think Richard Harris is also very, very good as well. Um, I th please actually let me know in the comments. That'll be an interesting one. Which version of Dumbledore in the film do you prefer? Or maybe you prefer Jude Law, who plays him in the Fantastic Beasts one, who is a fantastic actor uh, and obviously is portraying a much younger version of Albus Dumbledore. So let me know out of the three, who do you prefer? So anyway, um, Dumbledore looks up and he sees the cat on the street, which seems to transform in fact not seems to it does suddenly transform into a woman with a tight black bun and an emerald cloak who we find out is professor minerva mcgonagall now obviously we're hearing hints about the magical world and we're seeing things that seem slightly out of the ordinary throughout the day this is the first proper suggestion of something genuinely magic. I mean, I suppose the Deluminator taking out lights is unusual, but, you know, I, I guess maybe one day there could be an invention that does that. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how possible that is. I'm not very good on sciences and stuff. But a cat turning into a woman, that's definitely magic. So this can kind of be like that first confirmation point to the reader that this is a book about magic whereas in terms of harry himself we'll have to wait a little bit later to start discussing when he starts to realize that so dumbledore wonders why professor mcgonagall isn't out celebrating she says that the people have been too careless with their celebrating so that even the muggles have noticed that something strange is going on which is fair i mean it did make it onto muggle news that the shooting stars were going around which i suppose 
maybe they weren't shooting stars and they were actually just spells going up in the air, but the muggles assumed it's shooting stars. I'm not sure. Or maybe there is a spell that makes shooting stars fly out everywhere. Again, let me know on that if you know. Uh, I'm going to assume that maybe it was just spells and just people pointing their wands in the air and firing off stuff and in their celebrations. Uh, but also the fact that obviously Vernon was bumping into a load of them who were just in a good mood and were just openly out in their cloaks and stuff, which is not the purpose of the wizards. They're supposed to be staying away from the Muggle world so that the Muggle community can't find out about them. And they've kind of, even though today's a day of celebration, they've almost exposed themselves in that sense. So you can kind of see McGonagall's point. So McGonagall continues talking about the rumours flying around concerning you-know-who. Dumbledore then corrects her, saying that people should not be afraid to call him by his real name, Voldemort. So this is the first proper mention of Voldemort, the main villain of this story, of course. And I really love this little feature. So for anybody who doesn't know, Voldemort is called you-know-who by everybody because of how powerful he was back in the day. People were so scared they wouldn't even say his name. And this just in one simple sentence, not only does it put over the idea that Voldemort is an extremely powerful villain, the fact that an entire magical world would be scared to i guess say his name but it also puts over the fact that dumbledore is incredibly powerful the fact that he's the only one happy to say it and mcgonagall even backs this up by saying that you know voldemort was the only dumbledore sorry was the only person that voldemort was ever scared of which is very very high praise bearing in mind what we learn about voldemort over you know the next few chapters and just, just how lethal he was so Big up Albus Dumbledore, this old man who clearly has bad dress sense. He's got something about him, if you can't already tell. So Professor McGonagall explains to Dumbledore that she's heard that Lily and James Potter are dead and that Voldemort tried to kill their son Harry as well, but for some reason he couldn't. Now Dumbledore confirms this and obviously Professor McGonagall is devastated, which I think suggests, you know, it, it shows that she is a compassionate character and one of the good ones. But also it shows how much Lily and James meant to the wizarding community. That their death is, you know, on a day where people are celebrating, it's still causing this much pain. Even even though something so good has happened, someone could still feel deep down just sad that it's happened like that. So no one knows why or how, but people are saying that somehow Voldemort's powers was broken when he tried to kill Harry. Dumbledore confirms these rumours which causes Professor McGonagall, as I said, to tear up at the news. Now, this is interesting. Obviously, the book is called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, so you know that Harry's going to be important. But this immediately in Chapter 1 lays essentially the foundation for the whole series. Voldemort was an incredibly powerful wizard who wanted more power and killed anybody who got in his way. But for some reason, a one-year-old baby stopped him. And obviously, that is what this as i said what this whole series is about you know will will voldemort come back has he gone forever if he does come back is he going to try and take down harry as revenge or will he try and take down harry because he believes that the only way for him to reclaim top power is by killing harry is there something special about harry obviously we're starting to piece together that harry will be part of this wizarding world but is he necessarily more special than everybody else? You know, what's the reason? How could somebody who's killed so many people fail to kill a baby? So many questions. And, you know, as a, as a first chapter of a book, the main job is to grip a reader, to make you want to read more. This certainly makes me want to read the book because I'm thinking I've got so many questions that I want to have answered. 
Now, Dumbledore explains to McGonagall that with Harry's parents dead, he has no other living re relatives other than the Dursley family, and he will be entrusted into the care of his Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon. Now, McGonagall's appalled because she's been watching this family all day, and in just 24 hours, she's realised how horrible they are, and says that, you know, they couldn't be less like wizards. Now, I said before, they're trying to set up this idea that the Dursleys aren't the nicest people. I think the idea that you could gather that in just 24 hours sort of says a lot because you know we've all met people who eventually we've decided we don't like but normally it takes more than 24 hours you need to get a proper impression of someone mcgonagall's not even been in their house she's literally sat as a cat watching through the window and she's realized that she hates them so yeah they're not the nicest of people she also says that their son dudley is horribly spoiled all day he's been kicking his mother and screaming for sweets that sounds about right I mean, that sounds exactly like the boy that we were introduced to before and the boy that we're going to get to know over the next couple of chapters. Dumbledore assures McGonagall, though, that the Dursleys' home is the best place for Harry and he will leave a letter so that Vernon and Petunia can explain everything to Harry about what's going to happen, you know, what's happened when he's older. Now, I suppose at this point, the big question is how could you only leave a letter to explain something like that? Surely you need Dumbledore to wait until the morning, go in and explain it. But I suppose Dumbledore knows. Dumbledore knows that they're not going to be expecting to see someone like him. Someone who is old enough that really he should be dead and is dressed like a complete, in, in their opinion, like a complete freak. They're not going to listen to him. They're just going to slam the door and lock him out. So obviously he knows he's literally just got to leave Harry with a letter, leave them with no choice, which I think is a risk because... You know, if you had a random kid turn up on your doorstep and you were like the Dursleys, they'd probably take him to an orphanage or somewhere. Um, but maybe that's part of magic. Maybe it's just a thing that Harry will just continue to turn up and that he has to live there. Who knows? Um, so McGonagall wonders why Dumbledore would want Harry to go up in the Muggle world rather than the Wizarding world. She says that there'll probably be a Harry Potter day in the future and everyone in the Wizarding world will know his name. And Dumbledore argues that that's why it's so important to raise him away from the wizarding world, so that he doesn't have to deal with that kind of fame so young. And I think that's really interesting because, obviously, we're going to get to know Harry really well over the course of the seven books. And something that you will notice about him is that the fame never, ever does go to his head. Throughout everything that he goes through and all the emotions, he never gets too big for his boots. And that's something that probably has happened because of this decision that Dumbledore's made. So yet again, it's making Dumbledore seem incredibly wise and knowing because, you know, if you grew up with people always shaking your hand and trying to, you know, take pictures of you and writing about you in the paper and you would get a bit big headed, you know, and I think, I don't think that would make you a bad person. I think that'd be natural because, you know, at one years old, you've taken down the most powerful wizard or maybe the second most powerful wizard of all time. Also, I love the way that McGonagall mentions Harry Potter Day in the future, because in my opinion, I, I think September the 1st kind of has become Harry Potter Day. Obviously, the day that in the books, the kids all go back to Hogwarts kind of feels like that is sort of true in real life. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so Dumbledore explains that Hagrid's going to be bringing... Uh, harry to privet drive mcgonagall says do you think it wise to trust hagrid with something as important as this i would trust hagrid with my life said dumbledore again we don't know hagrid yet but hagrid's an important character to make him seem trustworthy for multiple reasons across the series and just one character like dumbledore saying this immediately as the reader you're given this sense of you should believe everything that dumbledore says which is something that i think is fascinating about this book series because Throughout the series, and I'll talk about this loads, you meet loads of characters, and what this book does really well, and what all seven of them do, 
they never just fully protect the character. Characters can make mistakes. Characters can make the wrong calls, but it doesn't necessarily make them bad. And I love that because it's not like one of those basic books where here's your good guy, here's your bad guy. Good guy is always good. Bad guy is always good. Good guy wins. This series blurs the lines and it convinces you to think that... So I'm, I'm not necessarily saying Dumbledore's not going to turn out to be an evil wizard or something. That's not the way I'm trying to lead people down. But this idea that we have to believe everything that Dumbledore says and Dumbledore is perfect and Dumbledore gets everything right won't necessarily always be the case because everyone must, makes mistakes. But at this stage, with how you portrayed Dumbledore so far in this chapter, him saying that he trusts Hagrid with him with his life gives you that sense of also wanting to trust Hagrid and thinking that Hagrid is a good man, which, let's be honest, we all love Hagrid. What a guy. So at that moment, Hagrid, an enormous man, he's actually a half-giant, uh, arrives with a wild, bushy black hair and a beard. He arrives on a flying motorcycle, which he says he borrowed off young Sirius Black. Now, forget about that name for a little bit, don't necessarily think too much of it, but store it somewhere in your brain, because maybe that's going to come back up at some point down the line. Um, he arrives with a bundle in his arms, baby Harry. Harry has a tuft of jet black hair and a lightning bolt shaped scar on his forehead from Voldemort's curse. Now, remember this description of Harry because his appearance, I think it's normally described at the start of most books to bring you back in in the first chapter, it never really seems to change. He's always skinny, jet black hair and a lightning bolt shaped scar. Hagrid very tearfully says goodbye to Harry, howling in sorrow over James and Lily's deaths again. James and Lily... They're obviously loved people within the community and it's really hit hard what's happened. It must be a very, very emotional day. Um, Dumbledore then lays Harry gently on the Dursley's doorstep and tucks a letter inside Harry's blanket. Now, I thought this would be a fun little part to just, just I guess, read the closing part of the chapter. I thought maybe that would be a nice way that we could end these episodes by just reading the last paragraph before we finish up. So Dumbledore turned and walked back down the street. On the corner, he stopped and took out the silver put outer. He clicked it once and 12 balls of light sped back to their street lamps so that Privet Drive glowed suddenly orange and he could make out a tabby cat slinking around the corner at the other end of the street. He could just see the bundle of blankets on the step of number four. Good luck, Harry, he murmured. And at this point, obviously, I guess he's, he's mentioned that he might be going off to celebrate. He mentioned it with Hagrid. Now, I don't know how Dumbledore would maybe celebrate um necessarily how do you think do you think he'd just go and get drunk i could see hagrid being a drinker i think mcgonagall's probably gone back to sort of go in a quiet room and be very upset because she was very hurt by lily and james's death i think dumbledore will go back to his office and just think i think he'll pace and i think he'll contemplate because there's a hell of a lot to think about here and dumbledore is always three or four steps ahead of the game but i think he'll also be upset but maybe he'll have a little glass of whiskey or something to celebrate. I don't know. He seems like quite a cultured man. Anyway, good luck, Harry, he murmured. He turned on his heel and with a swish of his cloak, he was gone. A breeze ruffled the neat hedges of Privet Drive, which lay silent and tidy under the inky sky, the very last place you would expect astonishing things to happen. Harry Potter rolled over inside his blankets without waking up. One small hand closed on the letter beside him and he slept on, not knowing he was special not knowing he was famous, not knowing he would be woken in a few hours' time by Mrs. Dursley's scream as she opened the front door to put out the milk bottles, nor that he would spend the next few weeks being prodded and pinched by his cousin Dudley. He couldn't know that at this very moment, people, meeting up in secret all over the country, were holding up their glasses and saying in hushed voices to Harry Potter, the boy 
who lived. And that is the end of our review of chapter one. And of course, don't you just love it when they end the chapter with the name of the chapter? Well, we just love it in general when the name of the chapter comes up in a chapter itself because it's a little bit quirky and you go, oh, that's a bit fun. Um, But anyway, no, that's obviously setting us up perfectly for next week, next Friday, 6 p.m. UK time, where we're going to be chatting about chapter two, The Vanishing Glass. And we're going to go 10 years into the future. We're going to meet an almost 11-year-old Harry And we're going to see how life has turned out for him growing up in the Dursley household. Something tells me it's not going to be particularly pleasant, but you'll have to tune in next time to find out. So if you enjoyed, please do like, comment, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching on Spotify, come over to the YouTube channel and do the same. But also please download the podcast. Uh, I don't really know how podcasts work, but if we could help boost it in the algorithm or whatever, that'd be amazing. So thank you so much. Head in next week if you'd like to read chapter two and get ready for it that would be awesome i will i will certainly be doing that if you'd like to recommend this to family and friends i would also really really appreciate that but i will see you next friday to talk about the vanishing class goodbye